0: Hi, it's Puno. You know when you pass one of those stores and you're just like, whoa, I need to stop in there right now. And you walk in and you glance at a rack of clothes and you're just like, oh my gosh, every piece is beautiful. Then this super stylish person compliments your outfit. And then she tells you, you got to try on this dress. And you're like, that's crazy. I'd never wear that. But then you put it on and she was right. (sighs) Ah, take my card. Oh, I miss retail. There's something really special about local retail because it lets you experience a vibe. Like you feel the neighborhood just manifested in this one space, you know what I'm saying? And I wanted to know, how do you get started? How do you have to think about money? Who do you hire? How do you hire? How do you integrate with the community versus pushing them out? If you live or visited Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy specifically, you might've heard of ST, Sincerely, Tommy. And today we are gonna talk to the creative director and owner, Kaye Evandelion. She's just a vibe. You got to check out the YouTube video because she's wearing this really cute Paloma wool top and like, I really want it. But anyways, she let me pick her brain. We talked about balancing life as a mom, to creating this ecosystem of multiple businesses, to building generational wealth by providing financial relief to the neighborhood's black owned businesses through her organization, Building Black Beds. It's a lot of good stuff. And it was such a relaxing chat too. So you know what? Kick your shoes off. You deserve it. You got that? Your shoes are off? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. So tell me a little bit about how it got started. Like, what was the first thing that you did to get Sincerely Tommy off the ground?
1: Yeah, I I was 16 when I found my first retail job. And I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And so I was there for many years. I started as an intern and then eventually left as an assistant buyer, because I was just like, I can't work for someone else anymore. I literally went to my grandmother, who is in real estate and Approached her with this business plan for Sincerely Tommy. She had no idea what a lifestyle concept store was, but she really believed in my vision. How did you describe what
0: a lifestyle concept was to your grandmother? How did you?
1: (laughs) I know. An 81 year old West Indian woman. (laughs) Well, luckily, she and I have in common our love for shopping and fashion. And so I think it was just. I want to carry up and coming brands that you really can't find in other stores. And and I think she just understood that this was something that could work. And I was very passionate about it. And I have a very driven personality. So when I say I'm gonna do something, I do it. And I just wanna note too, that you
0: were 26 at this time. Yeah,
1: I was. (laughs) Which is pretty
0: tenacious and impressive as well. Yeah. (laughs) You were saying that you had a business plan. What did that consist of? In retrospect, did it have all the pieces that you needed, answer
1: all the questions that you needed to start? It actually did. I was pretty impressed with myself. I, I went to college to study fashion merchandising and started going to the business library here in New York and just reading, like, business writing for dummies and meeting with a mentor there who really helped me put my business plan together. I had an Excel sheet for everything, whether it was the literal build out of the space to how much I needed to buy product, how much I needed to survive the first year. And a lot of this was just me learning as I went, but I will say it came in handy. Like I had a vision, but having this kind of roadmap was really helpful, I just had something to refer back to. How did you figure out what numbers to put in the cells? Yeah, well, I was clever. (laughs) And this came from working in retail, something I did not learn in college, but I knew that a lot of small boutiques would carry things on consignment. And so I started that off for buying actual brands and product. And for everything else, I would just go online and research like, how much does the POS system cost? But again, those costs are very subject to change because you just can't account for things as they come up. But I think Knowing that I was gonna carry a lot of brands on consignment really helped me save a lot of the budget that I had allotted. And it, it worked out for them as well because it created this relationship between me as a new business owner and them as a new brand. And so I created my own contract where it was like, let's test this out for three months if it works out. I'll just start buying outright wholesale. If it doesn't, then we tried it. For people who don't know what consignment means, can you explain
0: what that process is like and why that's important for you as a small business?
1: Yeah, consignment is just basically when a brand or a line decides to give you their product without an upfront cost or payment. And as the item sells, you pay them their wholesale costs, but it's a really good way To kind of test your market, especially if you're a new business and you're not sure if something would actually sell. And I know a lot of stores opt for that route, especially now. Yeah, you're making sure that you have
0: cash flow, Mm -hmm. essentially, because that's the hardest thing about retail is you're not really quite sure. When this is going to pay out, mm-hmm. you're also trying to make your audience and build your business too. So having that flexibility of not buying twenty, forty thousand dollars worth of inventory when you just started, yeah. Is so
2: <laughs> just like
1: yeah, ah. and I have to say, like even hearing you say that, like that was something that intimidated me early on because. I was like, well, if I buy three smalls and four mediums and only one of each sells, I'm just left over with this extra stock that I have to mark down and I'm losing money. And so, again, consignment really comes in handy because you have the flexibility to say, I'm just going to do one of each size. And if it doesn't sell, I don't owe money. If it does sell, then I I now have the cash in hand to be able to pay the designer. Right. So from the beginning of your business plan,
0: your grandmother, is she an investor? Like, how does she fit in with Sincerely, Tommy?
1: Oh, she's absolutely an investor. She not only gave me the physical space to do it, but she gave me a loan to be able to open the business. She and my mother, actually, they were the only two investors that I took on. And it wasn't like a huge amount of money. Again, I referred to the business plan. I knew that I needed X amount of dollars and I budgeted as much as possible. But yeah, she's an investor in the space. And then you were saying that she also provided the space as well? Yeah. She's organically found herself in real estate. When she moved here, she was a single mother of three with no support from anyone. And so she was working three jobs. Heard a colleague say that they were going to buy a brownstone in Bed-Stuy. And this is when Bed-Stuy was still like, do or die. You did not go there. And so she was like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And she saw, I think, a listing in the newspaper for a brownstone for $60,000. She called the number, went to view it, and she really liked a glass etching, or an etching in the glass of the front door. She decided to buy that building with this money she saved, and a loan from her sister kind of continued on that track. And so when I came to her with this idea, she was like, we have to buy a building. Gotta find a space to have this store. And that's exactly what she did. We went looking for about two months. We found something on Tompkins Avenue, which is like the Broadway of Brooklyn. And the space was a dump, and it was a gut renovation that was surprisingly fast. So, yeah, that's how she provided the space. <laughs>
0: This episode is brought to you by Thinkific. Thinkific is a platform to create market and sell your own online courses or membership sites. More than 50,000 course creators have already used Thinkific to build revenue and educate their students worldwide. And today I'm really excited because I spoke to one of those creators on how she used Thinkific to sell her first course.
2: The first course I ever did sold zero sales. I was struggling with imposter syndrome, I created the landing page, I created the emails, and then I did not tell a soul. (laughs) (laughs) I was feeling so guilty about selling stuff. Someone told me the best way to help a lot of people is to stay in business.
0: So then did you have to do a ton of marketing?
2: No, I didn't because I already built an engaged community. How many people equals a community to you? I started selling my products when I had about 300 people in my first Facebook group and even fewer on my email list. So I did one Facebook Live and I did one email and that resulted in 12K. A bunch of my community members kept saying, why have you hidden this from us so long? We need this and it only costs us money. You're so annoying, (laughs) give it to me, give it to me. And then now
0: the past two years have been even better if you're not comfortable with sharing.
2: I am comfortable because I am proud of it. We're about to reach the $1 million a year mark. We just hired my husband. We just partnered with my mom and my brother, which means I have the family work-life balance.
0: It seems like the success you're feeling is really just being able to have a family business at the end
2: of the day. Oh, I love that. I haven't even thought about it. A family business, the biggest success. Yeah. I love that. Yeah.
0: So go ahead, try making a course and just make sure that you tell people about it. The Girl Boss community is invited to try Thinkific for 30 days, saving you $99 today. And all you have to do is go to thinkific.com backslash girlboss99. That's T H I N K I F I C.com backslash girlboss99. It's 2021 and a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things are the same, like the need to take care of yourself. I see you, neighbor, with your swole AF body, kudos to you. But you know what? Physical health isn't your total health. You got to take care of that mental stuff, too. Everyone is at a different place in their mental health journey. For some, this process is really easy and natural. For others, it can be more difficult. But being able to talk it out is a great starting point for finding solutions especially talking it out with someone like a therapist. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. They make finding the right therapist for you simple and affordable. And it only takes 48 hours to connect with a therapist. So our Girl Boss community gets 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Girlboss. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash girl boss. Hey Carly. Who know. Oh. <laughs>
3: hey, how's it going?
0: It's good, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so um spoiler alert, I took your Squarespace course and I gotta tell you, I was really hesitant starting and I kept waiting to start but once I had that free trial that you offered yes I got so addicted I just kept messing around and then before I knew it my site was actually done yes yeah it was awesome
0: you really just need to get a trial and just mess around get in there get in there yeah press all the buttons
3: press all the buttons and if
0: you mess up and i'm putting that in air quotes you see me
3: yeah i see you
0: the quotes are in the air you know yeah you could just start another trial
3: yeah that's what i love about it if i changed my mind about my aesthetic which i do Mm -hmm. we all do i mean it's so last season i mean it's always last season yeah but i could mess with it until it was right Mm mm-hmm which was awesome yeah and here's what we got for you oh here it comes my favorite part so
0: you go to squarespace.com mm-hmm. backslash girl boss mm-hmm. for a free trial oh. and when you're ready to launch mm-hmm. you can use the offer code
3: what do you think it is i'm okay i'm gonna say girl boss yeah okay cool <laughs> do i win <laughs> What do I win? Beep, beep. You're going
0: to save 10% off yes. your first purchase. Oh, that's what I was hoping. A oh, by the way, did you know that a domain comes with your website?
3: See, Squarespace just has all the things. It's that all you need. in one. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect.
0: So then when you opened the doors, what was that like? What were the things that was more surprising in terms of opening a business?
1: With renovations, it's kind of constant, unexpected surprises. And we were really blessed because the contractor who did the space, he was a godsend, to be honest, like literally, which is something you almost never hear about contractors, but he really just let me design and create what I wanted to. And so when we actually opened, it was like, wow, this building that was literally abandoned is now this a work of art. I have to say, I was really nervous because when I opened, we were maybe one of two or three businesses that were fairly new to Tompkins. And we're still talking like the beginning of gentrification. And so things are a bit tense and everyone's kind of like, what are these new businesses opening? Do we feel comfortable going in there? And so I really had to project like, no, I'm from this neighborhood. I was born and raised here. My family was born and raised here for the most part. And I want this space to be somewhere that like young creatives feel comfortable coming in, asking questions, contributing their work, their art. And so that was just something that was constantly pushed. And I think you feel that when you open the doors. And so now the business is open Mm -hmm. ready for customers (laughs) yeah what was that like it was very surreal I think this again was like maybe Instagram was about four years old people were just like figuring out how to use it branding wise and so I never expected to be so well received by press by social media and I think it just continued to give us foot traffic, give us notoriety. And ST really became this destination spot for not only locals, but like we had people who were on a trip from Japan or London or wherever. And they were like, I had to come visit. And I'm like, what? I, I, okay. And it was just so unexpected. But I, I, I was so reaffirmed wow, this vision, this thing that I manifested, like it's showing me how much power we have when we really have a vision and we believe in that vision. Yeah. And was there anything in the beginning
0: that kind of was unexpected as a retail owner that you were just
1: like, dang? I mean, that's kind of like every day. I will say the first five years, staffing was definitely the biggest hurdle. Just trying to find reliable, responsible team members and Also being taken seriously, because like you said, I was young when I opened this business. I still am young, but I think when you're hiring people that are the same age as you, kind of establishing a healthy rapport where they take you seriously, but also like trust (laughs) that you know what you're doing, even if you're new at it, too, was just something that I was constantly learning from and after seven years, I can say that I finally have a team of people that have been with me for about two years that I trust, love, but it takes a lot of work because you're also finding your own rhythm and you're learning to let go of certain responsibilities that you probably never imagined handing over to someone else. So what are things that you look for or things that are red flags? when you're hiring it's a great question i'm a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to the interview process like i still look for resumes i expect you to come dressed or presented a certain way because you're telling someone who you are through this first meeting essentially and so my main question is usually, what do you know about this business? Because just through hiring, I've realized that if you're unfamiliar with ST as a brand, you most likely have no interest in helping us grow. And so if someone has researched Either me or ST, that's a good starting point. It's so fascinating because sometimes people will send in, like, a link to their Instagram, and I'm like, is this what we're doing now? That's all that we need is an Instagram handle? Wow. Like, I remember having to write a cover letter and... Like really work on my resume, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I look for all of those kind of little things that maybe sometimes people don't think are as important as our, our expectation shift of what being in the workplace is. And I get it, but those things always matter. And sure enough, the team that I have are all people who were very familiar with ST, have all... Implemented their own personalities and creative abilities into the space. Like, I have a photographer, a fashion designer, and they all have their own successful brands on the side, but see this space as just being very conducive to how they're working and their lifestyle. And I realized that instead of approaching this as you're coming to work for me? Like, no, you're part of my team. We're team members all together. And in order for me to take a step back, I need to feel like it's a mutual relationship, a give and take. And so my view on that certainly changed. I wasn't always like that. Let's do a little role-playing here.
0: What would be the best cover letter that you could receive?
1: Mm, I, I would probably say someone who i i think shares the vision for their own life and where they want to go and then who can also kind of share why they think they'd be an asset to a business like sincerely tommy those are questions i always ask in an interview i remember the last intern that i hired who was incredible in her cover letter she covered that but in her email too she was very adamant and kind of had sense of ownership that was kind of like, I want an interview. I think I had to reschedule the interview because of my son's school schedule. And she emailed me back and was kind of like, I understand you're busy. I would have appreciated more notice. And I think some people would have seen that and been like, excuse me. But I was like, no, she's actually right because I have to respect her schedule too. And so that turned me (laughs) on to want to hire her. I was like, okay. (laughs) And she ended up being like amazing. I wish she was still with us, but she's in her last year of school. But I look for people who just take themselves seriously too, because if you have that energy about yourself, then you're gonna apply that into this business as well. I like leaders, you know, take initiative. This is a small business. We don't necessarily have the same resources as a bigger company, so every little bit counts. That's something that I look for in cover letters and interviews, in personality, energy. And is there anything
0: that you would like to say to people who are interested in starting a retail business?
1: I always say the best advice I've ever gotten was from my mom right before I opened ST, which was have a vision. It's so much easier to understand where you're going, what you want. Journaling has been a huge part of my process. I think just understanding that Everything we experience is something that we have created, whether it's our thoughts, words that we speak. It's all something that we have the power to dictate. That's my biggest piece of advice.
0: Yeah. Did you initially begin with multiple businesses? Because Sincerely, Tommy has lots of different aspects of it. Yeah, so
1: I opened ST, or the cafe, and I actually was subleasing the cafe. It was like Lackawanna Coffee and Sincerely, Tommy, and people were confused. And then I decided that I just wanted to take that space over myself, and I did. And I felt like I had more ownership and say on what was being sold. In the business plan, I was like, whoa, an espresso machine? where's the money for that coming? Um, <laughs> from- People don't realize how expensive espresso machines are. Oh, they don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was a smart business decision because in the end, the guys who I subleased to were not only having to pay rent, but... I bought all of the machinery out once they left and I got it at a discounted price because now it's used. So that was smart on my end, but that's like in your business plan, bring yeah. in other people wait till, <laughs> wait till it's just slightly used and yeah. go. <laughs> and it wasn't, I didn't even plan it yeah, out no, like that. Totally. But yeah. It, it worked itself out to be that, like that. But I think learning the cafe side was definitely a whole new experience i had no history of working as a barista or the technicalities that go behind it and so i actually found an amazing manager who's still with me who like literally runs the cafe i have to give him those props we have a great relationship and so i trust him wholeheartedly the other businesses They're separate. They kind of came out organically. We're doing Rainy Home, which is the furniture brand, but that is its own entity.
0: Mm -hmm. Is Eat and
1: Stay part of the retail space or is that somewhere else? So ST Eat and Stay hasn't actually opened. The space itself is complete. But with COVID, we decided to take a pause on it. So eat is the ground floor that is supposed to be this cafe eatery. And then the stay is the hostel. So we have two floors above that we built out as like open concept overnight stays. And then you have ST Well, as well. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> ST Well is run by my mother. If I'm driven, she's probably 10 times more driven and comes up with these ideas, and I have to be like, relax. Like, you have to <laughs> tell her to relax? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One thing at a time. She's very much wellness, all things vegan and diet. And so she, a couple of years ago, came up with this really wonderful idea to utilize the home we have in Grenada, which is where she was born as a wellness space, a meditation space. So she does Reiki, massage therapy, and covers all facets of living healthy and well. And so that space has been open. But again, because of COVID, it's pivoted. The island is just not letting people in as frequently as they used to. But yeah, they're all under Sincerely Tommy. And because Sincerely Tommy is a lifestyle brand, Mm -hmm.
0: you kind of are allowed to have a multi-brand ecosystem. Yeah, How do you decide then which ones are a go time when you've got a grandmother and a mother who have amazing ideas and can probably execute it but you're like, but still guys.
1: I think I was definitely like a yes woman up until becoming a mom. I think as most mothers know that your priority becomes your child or children. And so I started to pivot and I felt like I needed to just create a more sustainable lifestyle. And that's something that I'm still figuring out because now we're dealing with this pandemic that has changed everything. And so for me, I'm now approaching things like, what do I see having a long lasting, sustainable life that's definitely ST, the brick and mortar. I think that space is very important because under that, we also have Building Black Bed-Stuy, which is the, the organization that supports Black-owned businesses in this neighborhood. And so I feel like that space will be here for a while. I am taking my time with ST Eaton Stay because that's a whole nother brick and mortar space. And just really feeling it out, like what feels good energetically. I'm definitely not a traditional business owner. I tend to do things that feel good, that feel organic, that make me feel a certain way when I think about them and anything that feels stressful or overwhelming, I'm like, let's put that on the back burner for now. And I, I know that's a privilege and blessing to say, but that's what happens when working with family. You, I think you have that flexibility. And so for me, it's, can I do this? Is this something that when my son is old enough that if he chooses that he wants to be involved, he can. That's my approach with taking anything new on at this point. Mm, yeah.
0: And you were speaking a little bit about building Black bed How did that come about? What made you want to start that? Yeah,
1: I was literally in the throes of everything that was happening last summer, probably around June, when we were seeing these like back-to-back videos and footage of different Black men and women getting accosted and abused by police officers. And I was like, "I I feel like I have to do something. I have somewhat of a platform and following. So I went to some of my closest friends and I had this idea originally to try to buy the building next door to Sincerely Tommy that was recently up for sale. So it, it was originally supposed to be a fundraiser to raise funds to buy that building. And we shortly realized that it wasn't very realistic to raise $2 million in three months. <laughs> <laughs> that shifted to um, raising money for Black-owned businesses in need. And it's just, again, taken off and been very well received. And so the first round of funding, we raised seventy-five thousand and split that three ways. And it was given to three different businesses that we felt really supported our mission, which is black liberation, independent economics, and creating generational wealth. And so we're on our second round now for three more businesses that are based in Bed-Stuy. Have you ever done a fundraiser
0: before this? Mm -mm. (laughs) Because raising $75,000 is not a little thing. That that is a good amount of money. Like, how did you do that? What was some of the work that no one really sees when it comes to fundraising?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Because I had never done it, I had no idea what we would even need to do. And I think we're so lucky that social media exists. And so were able to reach many people that we otherwise wouldn't have access to. And I was doing it with my two good friends who I consider sisters, Rajni, Jacques, and Nana. And so they also have pretty good followings. And so between the three of us just constantly promoting, we had this block party maybe back in July or August of last summer. And that was supposed to be our launch event to introduce who we are, the businesses we were raising funds for, I think we all thought maybe it would be like 100 people coming out. There was probably about 1,500 to 2,000 people there, and everyone was so supportive and just so intentionally loving in terms of how they showed up. And it was very eye-opening in terms of how much people want to be part of spaces like this. And the mission of building Black Bed-Stuy speaks for itself. We try to stay behind the scenes because it's not about us. It's not about our personal brands. It's very much about, no, this is a real issue that exists. We are all very privileged in terms of what we have, the three of us, but they're projects five blocks away from here who are still living in very desperate situations. And so what can we do with the resources that we have? Mm, And when you're saying generational wealth, what does that mean
0: for you? I,
1: again, come from a very privileged situation where I can say that generational wealth is something that got me ST, got me to where I am. When we think of wealth, we often think of like monetary status or what we have in the bank, but it's everything from investing to creating opportunities for you, your family, for whoever's coming next. Our goal is to show our community that that is an option for us where it's not easily recognized. We can buy a home, we can buy stocks, we can explore what those options are and understand that these are good routes to take because they create opportunity for us and for our children. That's my definition of generational wealth. I am now creating my own wealth through my businesses. I just bought my first home, I know over time will appreciate and value. And so again, if my son decides that he wants to keep it or sell it, that's a choice that he has. And so yeah, creating those investment opportunities.
0: Was there something that you remember growing up that made you who you are today and how you built ST?
1: Yeah, for sure. I have to bring my father into the conversation with that because he especially was very intentional about making sure I always practice self-care and was very independent because I think he knew that those were like real life skills that mattered above all else. And my mom definitely followed suit. She was definitely more mindful of wellness overall. And so having that growing up, I knew that I had to have a certain relationship with my body. And so to me, all of those things really cultivated like a very grounded and well-rounded childhood and upbringing. And I will say one of the most important things, being a business owner, because it is such an ever-changing and unpredictable career path to take, that self-care is so important. And knowing and listening to your body through this path is extremely important as well. And as a mom, too, <laughs> just being able to forgive yourself a lot and not take on like external things that are happening is a big thing for me. I know how challenging that can be, especially given where we are now. And I think my upbringing has really helped me not get to a point where I'm just like, F this, I'm done. Yeah.
0: Right. Because that's an option that you can definitely fall into. What is something that you do, how you reground yourself or how you get out of that?
1: Yeah, I am very intentional about how I spend my time I, I'm i lucky enough that ST has been in business for seven years. The first four years, I was there every day. The first two years, I was working there every day on top of working a part-time job because I'm not making money off of this new business. And so slowly but surely, I created a routine that worked for me. And now that I'm a mom, my routine has shifted even more. So carving out time that is just for me is extremely important. Every weekend I have my weekends, my son is with his dad. And so I'll journal, I'll meditate, I'm an earth sign. And so I like to be in nature, taking those moments to reset outside of a city like New York are super important. And if for whatever reason, like maybe someone doesn't have access to leaving when they want to, I think just meditating is so beneficial. It is not overrated at all. Silencing your mind is, (laughs) oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) So with your grandmother, where she's very community-based, and can you tell me a little bit about what you saw when you were growing up?
1: Yeah. So Grammy, that's what we call her. She just took a lot of pride in sharing her home with her community. And I remember that energy so well because... Again, that's just not something you see often. You don't see black ownership. It's not something that's promoted. And every year she'd also host an art show for black artists based in Bed-Stuy and people were able to buy the art and come in and just hang out. And through real estate, she helped a lot of young families buy their first homes. And she'd always say, this is something she says now, like whenever you're looking to buy, always get something that you can live in and also rent out because you want the supplemental income. And so she taught herself. She never expected to, to be in real estate or to own multiple buildings because she's such a humble and kind soul and ready to give to anyone that she comes across that these things came into her path. And she she walks through Bed-Stuy or down Tompkins and knows everybody, like everyone knows Doreen Delion. Bedsty also has changed a lot since your grandmother bought her first property.
0: What does she think about it? What do you think about that?
1: We actually don't talk about it as often. She's more old school. So like old school West Indians, when they gossip, they whisper. Uh, I talk about it with my mom more for sure. And it's interesting because I think when gentrification first happened, it was so slight and there were some new restaurants and cafes popping in and at first we were like, oh, this is cool. Like now we have some organic options and now the things that made bed are like quickly disappearing. And so I think when that happens, when it gets to a point where it feels like the people moving in, the businesses moving in are out of touch, that's when it starts harping in and, and on your spirit because we're already so used to having things taken from us out of being miseducated and unaware and not having ownership and understanding our power. And so I think that's what the gentrification here has turned into. It's like, you're coming into this space that already had its own culture and sense of pride. And now you're telling us how to move so that you feel comfortable, which is not how it should work. It should be you coming into this space and understanding what's here and we can work together, if anything. And so there are definitely some people who get it, but then there's others who are just like, we see opportunities to make money and we don't care who it's affecting. We don't care who we're displacing. And that's when it gets really sad and just hard to watch. If
0: there was a future of Bed-Stuy that is the perfect balance of both,
1: mm-hmm. what would that look like to you? I honestly feel like 2008 was when Bedsty really felt like super special. It was diverse. It wasn't the bed that we grew up in where it was just known for one thing and there was an understanding. It was like, this is a special neighborhood. It's all about community. The rents were affordable. It was definitely more realistic to be able to purchase something. And people were working together. There were way more Black-owned businesses as well that are now shut down. But we still had like other businesses as well. I don't think people really felt displaced yet. And so I'd like to see that. I'd like to see conversations like the question you just asked me and then actually moving on it so that everyone feels like they have a place. I don't think anyone should be walking down the same street that they've walked down the last 30, 40 years of their life and feel uncomfortable because maybe they don't look a certain way or they can't afford what's in the new corner store.
0: Now I wanted to talk about motherhood. You're a single mom. You definitely have help. But How have you been able to get that balance of entrepreneur, activist, motherhood? Or more specifically, what advice would you give other parents or moms? Oh, gosh.
1: I don't know. I honestly am trying to figure it out. I think hearing you just say that was like, yeah, I am doing all those things and I feel overwhelmed. No, but that's, it's very real. Motherhood is like one of the most, if not the most life altering experience. So it's just not one of those things you can treat like a business or something that you can control because you're raising a human, you're guiding a human. And so my approach to motherhood is very intuitive. I have always felt that when I have children, I'm going to be this guide. I'm not going to be a parent in the sense where like I'm controlling or enforcing. And so Che is very independent. He is very much like finding his own way. And at two, I can already tell that he has like a strong sense of self. And I think becoming a mom has made me much more aware of how I want to move. Whereas before I was like, okay, ST will be open indefinitely. Now I kind of look at it as what's my exit strategy. If that means I still want this space to exist, how can I take a step back? So I'm constantly just thinking about what the next steps look like and what's best for my son and my spirit as well. I don't have a straightforward answer, but my main priority is definitely my son and and what the best environment is for him. So
0: one of the things that we're trying to do here at Girlboss is talk about success. And I'm curious, how has success evolved for you and what does success mean for you today?
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think something that we all kind of grapple with. It's definitely shifted. I I think when I got into this, I was like, I want multiple stores, I want uh, a huge team. And now I'm like, less is so much more. I just want everything to be sustainable, profitable. I want my team to be happy and feeling good. I would love to live in a place that is surrounded with nature and I just want my son to be living in his joy. And so for me, I think it's definitely less about the stuff. I am slowly decluttering my life and wanting to be in a space that's much more about community, being present, feeling present, feeling grounded and whole. That's all inner work. And feeling supported through that process. I want my son to feel supported and protected. And so I really do think that success is like more about who you are and how you've evolved than anything else. Thank you so much for this conversation.
0: Thank you. This was so great, I cannot wait. To go to ST and meet you for the first time we can't
1: wait to have you yeah yeah I could talk to you for a really long time I was like girl I know I'm like these are good questions <laughs> you're making me dig a little deeper I like it <laughs> love it
0: can we just take a second to appreciate how soothing Kai's voice is ah <sighs> so good if you want to learn more about Kai Yee and Sincerely Tommy or support black owned businesses in bed check out our show notes on girlboss.com. If you have any feedback for us or just want to write and say hi, write us at podcast at girlboss.com. The best way that you can support Girlboss Radio is by clicking on that oh so little but super important subscribe button. And if you're feeling motivated... Write us a review. I'm not the only one here. There's a whole team building this podcast and we love to read them. Oh, and do not forget that newsletter. Just one keystroke away from all sorts of daily goodness right to your inbox. Boss Radio is a production of I Love Creative Studio, original music composed by Nija. This episode was produced by Juliana Clark with help from Christopher Olin. And this episode was mixed by the oh-so-wonderful Stephanie Aguilar. Our editorial director is Clemence. Special thanks to Taylor, Nora Agency, Kaylee, and America. Until next Tuesday, see ya!